Hi, my name is Kirk Hamilton, your host of the Staying Healthy Today Show. This is a show where we bring you key experts in the fields of nutrition, prevention, integrative, and lifestyle medicine. We review the medical literature and we review case studies. Today's show topic is the role of N-acetylcysteine in the treatment of obsessive-compulsive disorder. Our guest today is Dr. Jerome Saras from the Department of Psychiatry, the Melbourne Clinic at the University of Melbourne in Melbourne, Australia. He co-authored a very interesting paper entitled N-acetylcysteine in the Treatment of Obsessive-Compulsive Disorder, a 16-week, double-blind, randomized, placebo-controlled study in CNS drugs in 2015. So, welcome, Dr. Sars. Thanks for coming on the show today. Well, thanks for having me. Uh, so, tell me, what is your educational background and what is your current position right now? Sure. Well, my background uh, is actually as a, well, I used to practice as a naturopath, uh, as well as an acupuncturist, and then I got into, I guess, more of an interest, a passion regarding research in academia. So, I went on and did a master's a health science-based master's, and then a, a doctorate in the field of psychiatry. So nowadays I, I, I primarily research specifically integrative and nutraceutical lifestyle treatments for mental health disorders. Oh, excellent. So what got you interested specifically in N-acetylcysteine, or we call it NAC, in obsessive-compulsive disorder? Well, I think NAC is an incredibly exciting agent. Uh, it's a nutraceutical which has been shown to be effective in improving mood uh, with people with bipolar disorder, people with schizophrenia, uh, and also having a range of effects on other disorders such as uh, trichotillomania, so compulsive um, hair picking, uh, as well as gambling, uh, some addictive processes such as uh, marijuana use. Um, so it's quite an exciting uh, natural medication or naturally based amino acid medication. So uh, there was some uh, data uh, came out, it was a few years ago, uh, from Iran uh, seeing that it could potentially be uh, effective in obsessive compulsive disorder. And we really wanted to, to I guess, conduct a, a rigorous study and see whether that was the case for Western population. So what actually is the biochemistry of NAC? I know it is a, you know, glutathione precursor, uh, but how might it work at, in the pathophysiology of a uh, obsessive compulsive disorder? Sure. Well, what we do know is that uh, glutamate, uh, the neurochemical glutamate, is implicated uh, in the pathogenesis of OCD. So that there's been shown to sort of have, in certain brain regions, higher levels of glutamate. And that's a, a stimulatory neurochemical, which is sort of, I guess, stimulating some of these uh, compulsive activities. And certainly that's been shown uh, in animal models as well. So Something like NAC is quite exciting for potential use in that because what it does is that it actually uh, regulates the glutamatergic uh, pathway. So in terms of uh, its effect, it restores extracellular glutamate levels. And what that does is that stops uh, the release of glutamate and thereby dampens uh, this sort of glutamatergic activity and thereby quells uh, potentially uh, some of the compulsivity associated with OCD. It's also uh, quite a powerful antioxidant and there has been some uh, studies which have shown that there is, uh, I guess, a raised oxidation uh, in people with uh, OCD. So if we can, uh, I guess, address it on that level as well, uh, that has a potential benefit. Where did you pick uh, 1,500 milligrams twice daily? Uh, is there data that supports that in this or did you just see it from other trials or how did you get that? Well, there's been a range of uh, psychiatric trials which have used anything from 2 grams uh, up to usually about 3 grams. There's been a study with ADHD using, I think, uh, 4.8 grams. 
Um, it, it tends to be, I guess, based off the literature, the therapeutic dose. Uh, the, the previous pilot study from Iran used 2.4 grams, uh, and we just wanted to, I, I guess, use just a little bit more just to make sure that we did have a therapeutic effect. Did you use it, and how was it taken? Obviously by mouth, but was it with meals, away from meals, in a single dose? Sure. Well, twice a day, uh, due to the, the half-life of, of NAC, it's best to uh, use it twice a day. Um, we, we did advise people to take it away from food if possible because it's an amino acid and we want to make sure there's not competition in terms of um, uh, absorption and uptake. Uh, however, NSL-15, like many nutraceuticals, can you know, cause some uh, gastrointestinal discomfort. I mean, it is a sulfur-based compound, uh, obviously being a cysteine derivative. Uh, so in such cases, if people did have some GI discomfort, we did say, look, you know, it's fine, take it after food. Um, so it may reduce that. Um, the other thing we did is we got people to introduce it slowly over the first week or so in terms of uh, titrating it up uh, slowly uh, so that it would make it, I guess, a bit easier or potentially uh, feel easier on the digestive system. Uh, so do you do any blood work that measures components of N-acetylcysteine or byproducts of it before or during this, this study? Uh, look, we'd like to. I mean, I, I think that certainly there's a financial aspect to it in terms of getting those those tests done. We're not aware of, of anybody in Australia who does that. Uh, and in terms of getting it done overseas, don't really have much knowledge on that, except to say that uh, I'm not too sure whether you can actually measure NAC as such in, in the blood, but potentially you could measure uh, a cysteine uh, byproduct, a, a metabolic product potentially. So tell us so... Uh if you can, what what this what happened in this study and the and the results? Yes, well, it's, the results were I intriguing. Um, we, based on the, the previous research, we expected it to separate. It, it's it's not a fast acting agent, so we expected it to separate after about you know eight to ten weeks, um, and it did so, and it was uh, more effective than placebo in reducing uh, OCD symptomatology uh, on the Y box scale. Uh, however, strangely enough, at, at any point, at week 16, it, it started to, uh, you said, the, uh, uh, the results started to uh, reduce and, and it sort of merged uh, uh, back towards the, um, the, effects, effects, um, the efficacy level uh, similar to placebo. Um, so why that is, that's puzzling. It could be that, yes, it is effective for a certain window after a certain time, uh, however, um, you know, unfortunately, maybe that might drop away. Um, but also, it could be the fact, which is what, what I've seen in other clinical trials, certainly nutraceutical trials, and that is people tend to do well, and then when it gets to that last appointment, uh, you know, it drops away. And, and we think that could be because uh, for some people, they are getting effect off the treatment, and there is some concern that they're leaving the study and won't be getting treatment, uh, any further treatment. So that can be, I think, a little bit of an issue, and that's why um, the use of placebo runout uh, or observation phases may actually help that at least people feel as if they're getting a little bit of ongoing support or um, making sure that they have the potential uh, to have some uh, samples of the current treatment so they at least feel that they are getting response, that they're not going to lose effect. Um, I mean, that could be the potential reason why it dropped off. Um, the other interesting results we found was that... Um, while the overall score wasn't statistically different between the placebo and the uh, the active, the NAC, 
is that it was actually uh, significantly effective on the compulsive element of OCD. So the, the people actually performing the compulsive activities. So um, with OCD, we've got the obsessions, you know, the obsessional ruminations, and then the compulsive acts uh, to allay that anxiety based off these obsessional thoughts. And that kind of makes sense because if you look at the animal models using NAC, um, in terms of the compulsivity, uh, it does seem to, to attenuate that and that is more of from what we understand uh, a glutamate-related function and NAC does address that. So um, they're, they're basically the results. The other interesting results we found is that when we did a sub-analysis uh, that people who had uh, less lesser duration of OCD, uh, younger people, for example, and there was a little bit of a trend for people who were taking medication, they did better. And that makes sense because in this particular study, uh, we used, uh, well, we recruited people, uh, many of which who had very long-standing OCD. And there may be a, a chance, like with a lot of medications, if you can get people early, um, then it is easier in terms of, uh, of having beneficial effects. We are talking to Dr. Jerome Saris from the Department of Psychiatry at the Melbourne Clinic at the University of Melbourne in Melbourne, Australia, on the role of N-acetylcysteine in the treatment of obsessive-compulsive disorder. Were there any side effects with the NAC, and how was the patient compliance? Uh, it was a very, very well tolerated. We did have some people with some gastrointestinal upset, uh, and in fact, there was a, a statistically significant difference between the number of people who had uh, I guess what you'd term as heartburn from, from the NAC uh, compared to placebo. But aside from that, no, no serious adverse effects and, and the compliance was, was generally very good. Who would be a candidate for NAC therapy and would you use it as a monotherapy or as an adjunctive therapy? Yes, well, a very good question. Look, NAC, as I said in the introduction, uh, really seems to be effective for a range of psychiatric disorders and potentially that is because of I guess, a uh, very strong effect on uh, the oxidative uh, systems. And, and as we know, inflammation and oxidation uh, tend to be involved in the pathogenesis of a range of psychiatric disorders. So it, it, I don't want to say it's a panacea, but certainly it can be effective for a range of psychiatric disorders. Now, we're not suggesting people go off their medication. Um, it can be used potentially as, an, uh, as a monotherapy. However, uh, there was some trend uh, in this particular study that, that that it was effective or potentially more effective in people taking medication. And uh, as some of our other work has attested to, it is surprising that uh, a lot of these nutraceuticals used in combination uh, with psychiatric medication actually has a, a very, very uh, beneficial effect and certainly uh, showing that statistically beyond uh, placebo and just the psychiatric medication alone. If part of the rationale for using N-acetylcysteine is to be act as an antioxidant or increase glutathione, are there other synergistic compounds that can be used to enhance NAC's effectiveness? Other nutraceuticals? Gosh, that's a very, very good, uh, very good question. Um, I mean, the, the issue is that you can't just give straight glutathione. This is just as you can't give straight GABA. A lot of the time, we have to use precursors. There's issues with uh, pharmacokinetics in terms of the metabolism, the breakdown, and there's also issues in terms of it crossing the, the blood-brain barrier. So that's why NAC, which is, I guess, a glutathione, uh, glutathione pro-drug, uh, is quite effective. In terms of what would be synergistic with it, uh, that's a very good question. I mean, there has been animal research showing that, um, that there is some synergistic effect 
uh, in respect to efficacy in animal moral using uh, antidepressants in AC. But in terms of augmenting a glutathione activity, um, that is a very good question, and I'm I'm unsure about that. So I'll certainly have to look into that. Well, I keep you know you keep you, you for example <clears throat> you have fish oil used for many psychiatric neurologic conditions and it may be an anti-inflammatory effect and so I was just curious about the whole role of inflammation and OCD and other conditions and how glutathione might help. Um, Do you have, so what is your kind of take-home message for a health professional or or maybe for an individual wants to try it? What would you say? Well, um, you probably want to potentially, if you've got a weak stomach, just start off maybe uh, sort of a gram, gram and a half a day and then build up uh, over a few weeks to about uh, three grams a day. I think it's sort of a good therapeutic uh, level. Uh, obviously, get uh, advice from your health professional, and, and um, you know that's, that's always very important. Good quality NAC is critical. So, I mean, that can be a challenge for consumers. Where do you get good quality NAC? Obviously, be a little bit concerned about sort of you know some of the overseas products and uh, products which maybe are a bit cheaper, and you think okay, you're getting a good a good price, but uh, you know there there, there is a lot of times with nutraceuticals an issue in terms of quality. Um, but uh, the other thing to consider with NAC is it tends to be a little bit of a slow actor. So, you know, be prepared to, to give it a go for a good sort of three, four months to assess the efficacy for you. Oh, I'm so glad you said that because it would seem like it would be an immediate response when people are thinking. Well, I know you have to get back to work. I know you got some presentations and things to do. So thank you so much, Dr. Sars, for coming on the show today. Yeah, no problem. I guess the, 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 the final, I guess, uh, comment, uh, which I'd like to sort of inform everybody, it's, it's, I guess, good news is that we have uh, received a, a good-sized uh, government grant uh, to do a larger study of NAC and OCD. And that will be starting up in Australia in a few months' time. And what's interesting about this particular study is that we're, apart from the fact we're going to recruit, we'll be looking at recruiting a couple hundred people so we can really see how effective uh, NAC is for treating OCD, um, is that we'll also be looking at uh, a range of uh, biomarkers, uh, such as uh, looking at genetic differences between people to see whether there are any genetic reasons uh, or what you described as, a, I guess, looking at the pharmacogenomic uh, of NAC and seeing whether that uh, those genetic differences do modify people's response to, to, to NAC. So, so that's quite exciting, uh, and that'll be a, an 18-week uh, study, so slightly longer. It'll also have a bit of an observation phase at the end, hopefully to, to rule out uh, if the last uh, result we had uh, was due to um, you know, uh, people sort of going off the, the, the study cold turkey, so to speak. Um, so, yeah, we're very confident it'll be a, a robust study and, and will give us an incredibly clear answer about the efficacy of N-acetylcysteine uh, in treating people with OCD. Well, again, I'm, I'm looking forward to that, and, and we'll have you on again, and you can tell me about uh, the results of those. So I want to thank you, Dr. Sars, for coming on the show today. You're welcome, Craig. It's been a pleasure. And I want to thank you, the audience, for listening to this edition of the Staying Healthy Today show. And you can go to stayinghealthytoday.com and listen to it, sign up for my health letter, or go up to iTunes and listen to this interview as well. And until next time, stay and be well. 